Hail, and welcome to Owen's Alchemy. Today we have the honor of hosting Matt Belair. Matt spends all of his time delving into the excellence of the human mind, body, spirit. And uh, I actually had the pleasure of being on Matt's show one time, and uh, we hit it off so well that uh, entirely forgot to do an intro. So here's the intro to the show. It was absolutely fantastic. And on a quick note, this week I was contacted by Matrix Chocolate Bars, so the show will now be hosted by uh, Matrix Bars. You can find them on Instagram, and we will have a full thing worked up on that for next week. But enjoy. Thanks, guys. I'm setting my sights on that, and I can't wait to dive in more and learn more about how you actually accomplish those things because I'm going to be like city slickers, you know? I'm going to have no concept of like, I have the idea and I like nature and camp and all that, but it's going to be a city slicker scenario. So I look forward to that day. <laughs> yeah, actually last year I had a, uh, and it was called The Thing, where a bunch of people came and just spent uh, a substantial amount of time off grid and got to see how that goes. And we had about 30 people come and it, it was a fantastic time and they all camped around and learned about off-grid living and uh, made a lot of bonds. It was, it was a real good time. That's amazing, man. Well, next one, let me know. I'll be there. Absolutely. I will brother. I, I might absolutely. actually have to friggin' uh, paddle a canoe after a river to get to the States the way things are going, but <laughs> hopefully I can just <laughs> drive or fly. Well, hope it's running positively. Holy smokes. <laughs> well, with what those, uh, did you see what those truckers are doing up there? Yeah, so that's caught in fire, man. The last thing I saw was fifty thousand. They estimate can potentially four or five hundred thousand people potentially in Ottawa. They're trying to shut it down, but it's kind of caught like wildfire, and it makes me kind of excited because I, I, you might know this. There's like a term in nature where something spontaneous will happen. There'll be a spontaneous reaction, and what's happening is mm -hmm. these parasites are really pushing and pushing. And you wonder where are all the good guys? Where are the people standing in truth? And all of a sudden, you know, these people are going against nature. The people planning this have no soul. They have no spirituality. They don't even believe in a God, a lot of these people. So they're not going to expect a spiritual response, a response from nature that all of a sudden, you know, um, organizes and then has an amazing response that that uh, ideally destroys or at least uh, dramatically reduces their plan. So let's see the trucker thing. Hopefully is it. Oh, I, I love it. And what I love about it is, is everybody that's going in because the one thing that the the people seem to want to miss is it's uh, very similar. I don't usually get enjoy uh, pop culture type things, but those uh, uh, Hunger Games uh, books, those were really good. And uh, at the end where the people had finally had it, uh, where the people had finally had and a puppy was making a real cry cry um like it something bad had happened uh yeah we had nine puppies running around like man oh, you one of them was making her oh that's amazing bet, well last bet. time we did our show there's a puppies running around barking you just gotta yell at them <laughs> yeah yeah no that was the bigger ones that's the bigger ones these are puppy puppies they're only they're oh. just little guys Nice. Uh, yeah, the, the house is a, a madhouse right now. Yeah, my wife's bringing one over for everybody to see. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. It's so cute. Life is like a million times better with puppies. You know, with all this stuff, if I don't know how responsible it would be. But everybody in the world adopts a puppy. You know, everybody just relax a little bit. That's so You cute. bet. 
yeah, they get they bring you right back to the world. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, they're they're gorgeous. Um, but uh, the key thing that happened in that was where the people suffering finally realized that you know you're coming with us. You're we're already suffering. We're already not getting the supplies. You guys are the ones that are living like kings. You guys are the ones that are still living like you were before and actually living much better. And we're the only ones suffering the consequences. Well, now that they're doing that and shutting the whole city down, you're going to feel the consequences too. We're going to suffer. You're going to suffer with us. And we're kind of used to suffering. You've put us through it for a while. We've gotten used to it. How are you going to handle it? Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a it's a wild scenario, and you know, I I I did the law summit and was learning a lot about the law and trying to understand. It. And a lot of people felt like protesting, although it had good intent, wasn't as effective as some other means, like no, writing notices, holding your uh, city mayors accountable, things like that. You can do in the legal term to just really draw them out because you know their stats or their titles aren't going to hide behind the legal paperwork when they do something that's against the constitution or the charter of rights and freedoms in Canada, because they're all the government is doing handing out a mandate. You have to enforce it. So it's like this notice of li- uh, this liability mm-hmm. game where they're all just passing the buck. But the good thing about this is the truckers with actually shutting things down, have a say and they are not saying, Hey, this is just for us. This is release mandates for all people. And I thought about, you know, the devil's advocate because there's some ridiculous propaganda going on uh, about, you know, trying to say the truckers is like a, uh, white nationalist organizer. There's just they're trying these several no, avenues. Always probably, that one. It's so it's so absurd. I read it's so so ridiculously absurd. But I'm just thinking, okay, like if you're worried about stuff reopening, you can stay at home. If you're that afraid, you can wear 20 masks. You can wear a hazmat suit. You can get jabbed up a thousand times. Can we just be free? I'll stay away 20 feet, you know, just avoid people. But it's not about that. What it's about for them is they're now a part of this like elitist society where because they've taken the jabs, they're now special and they're elite. And, you know, we're like the lower class. They get a little taste of that, you know, and it's like this virtuous thing where they're elite, but they're also virtuous. They're better than and it's very intoxicating, very exciting to have. So they don't want to lose that. Right. And so they'll fight to the end, but there it's based on uh, deception. There's no truth there. There's no integrity. And so nature will kick back in some sort of way. And we just have to be open to that response and do what we can and, and remain human and remain civil, not human, remain uh, men and women and spiritual human is like the hue of the man, friggin' law stuff, learning all the definitions, but uh, you know, being, you know, your true authentic self so we can carry ourselves and respond to what's happening. And, you know, in the States, some people aren't experiencing this, but in Canada, we've really been getting worked for two years. It's segregated society. Kids can't play sports. You can't put your kids in, you know, sports programs, ballet, hockey, all these things, unless they're jabbed up. So it's causing a lot of problems here and people have been suffering. And, you know, a lot of people talking about, you know, this kind of middle way, they're not in the suffering. And so I'm always curious, well, if you were dramatically you know your business was shattered your kids can't participate would you have the same opinion and so i feel like it's important to speak the truth and to just remain in integrity and in kindness the best you can with whatever you're dealing with move towards a lifestyle that you have you know Uh, just let go of this is an offer to a new babylon right babylon never fell rome never fell so you want to participate in babylon now it's going to require our infinite vaccines and whatever they want to do and if you want to uh participate in that go ahead 
But if you want to go Amish or you want to go off grid or you want to get back to nature, God and the universe, then you've got that option too. You just have some letting go to do. Exactly. Exactly. You want to play our game. Here's the price to come in. So for us at uh, Odin's Alchemy with Jared and I, and I believe Rachel's on this, although we haven't specifically talked about it. We're trying, we try to focus more on uh, building a world without them that I don't want to go fight them. I don't want your ticket into your little, into your little ride. You can still have it. You go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and build an alternate life with alternate resources, alternate uh, economy, things like that. I don't need you. And that's, that's where things need to go is, is just where they aren't forcing us into situations. And uh, rather than trying to get so up in arms about going and being attackful and fighting them, I, I don't want to fight them. If that's what you want, if you want to go live in Babylon, then that's your right. You go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. It, it reminds me of that Buckminster Fuller quote where he talks about you never uh, change the world by fighting the existing system. You build a new one that makes the old one obsolete. And that's where after these years, you know, I've been saying a lot to the people that I coach and talk to, like, this is the year responding to what's happening. You know, we, we're aware a lot of things came to light. Now we need to respond and, and be aware of the challenges and some of the threats that might exist, but you know, that might be 10 or 20%, then put 80, 90% into building the solution. What are you going to need to do to put yourself in a position where you um, don't have to engage with that, where you can let it exist, but you don't have to be a part of it. And it reminded me of um, one of my native American teachers. I talked about the original treaties they signed in wampum. I forget exactly what that is, but it's like this purple uh, stuff. And they had two lines. And basically what they were saying is, you know, you're welcome here, but these are two worlds. They're they're beside each other, but they're not supposed to intermix. Obviously, we broke yeah, those trees. Yeah, it's yeah, it's something, and it comes out it comes out uh, purple, and and yep. I think it's like a shell. Wampum is a traditional shell bead of the eastern woodland tribes of Native Americans. Um, but yeah, they could. So when they decided anyway, they just said we're not going to mix these two worlds. And unfortunately, that didn't really go positively for what we did. But but ideally. Moving forward, there's going to be solutions for everybody who doesn't want to participate in the system. And that's what we have to focus on because I don't think these people are going to take away free will. And if they do, that scenario was never up to us, right? We've always been subject to the creation, God, you know, God willing. And like they'd say back in the day, you could just die at any day. That's true now. So we need to remove the fear of how we operate. And if something like that's going to happen, that would have been out of our control anyway. But most people are in this, uh, a loop of this fear that's really crippling them and not allowing them to respond to what's happening in an effective way. Absolutely agree. And, and, and fear by its very nature stops higher thought to where you aren't really thinking about the further implications and the further thoughts of things, because fear is meant to put you in a situation where you either fight or you run. And that those are two very physical responses and uh, it, it's meant to be something for actual danger. And people aren't in actual danger, but they've gotten so uh, into the media, into the, uh, the even the computers, things like that, that now that's where they experience so many of their emotions. And so that fear isn't uh, something like when I experience fear, that's because something is truly going to hurt me. My life isn't actual jeopardy at this very <laughs> damn moment you know uh but i don't experience it any other time but that's because i go live 
they actually experience fear uh just like with the horror movie went back in the when i was a kid that you know girls usually liked horror movies and they'd get all scared and you're just sitting there like why why are you doing this i don't understand <laughs> but that was a programming that made it so you don't actually need a physical fear to get that response and now they're just experiencing it all the time and because of that no higher thought yeah, hundred percent. It makes me think of you know the television, uh, social media, and all of those media outlets as version one point for um, simulation, right? Because if the way that you live, and you know some of the Native Americans I know, and some people who live off the land, totally different. They don't they don't have TVs. They don't really do that. They're very very limited technology. The Amish and and some of the other cultures they don't use any of that. They're really engaged with actual reality. Where a lot of our societies, people live in cities. They're very much engaged with the virtual world. At what percentage of the day? Sixty percent, seventy percent, eighty percent. Between you know, going on social media, their jobs, looking at a computer, all these different things. So it's all it, might, it makes me think about like 1.0 because when they put that um, you know virtual reality on, if that is the end game, which who knows what what it will be, um, you know, it seems like a seems like a plausible thing because already people are so disconnected, right? And fear is the mind killer. So yeah. all they need to do is keep ramming people with fear they don't have higher thought and they have no spiritual understanding and that's the thing they have no faith that you know they're, they're then they're frozen so overcoming fear and knowing who you are and getting connected with the earth and letting go of all of these parasitical things and that's the best thing someone could do right is like what are the things that are inhibiting me and cut out as many as you can see if you can do a do uh, detox do something different social media detox even with all the world events and uh, see how your life changes because spirit will come in like just go for a walk in nature every day you know even that alone whether you just got a park or whatever the case is go for a walk in nature every single day it'll it'll change how you think and how you operate now you're listening and we're really you know most people are not doing that they get up they you know their alarm goes off then boom they're, they're rushing to get their coffee brush your teeth do their thing get in the car you know do the job kind of stress out about that get off work and relax a little bit have a beer or some food or something some some sugar Right. And then repeat the pro watch a sports game, then repeat the process. And then on the weekend, maybe you get some beers with the buddies and or whatever the case is. And and that's the pattern. And you can get stuck in that pattern for quite some time. So to be able to break that pattern is is really important. And you can do it in a variety of different ways that are really simple. And it'll uh, you know kind of open you up. One that I like that's super easy um, is just do a 24 hour fast of grapes. Cut everything out and just do grapes. So whenever like I'm going to get a negative pattern, I'll just eat grapes because they fill me up. It's easy, but then when I start inputting things, like if I get addicted to coffee or you know something like that, then I'm able to slowly input things. It just changes it enough that I can redirect all the patterns that I'm doing. So it's a simple and practical thing, or just do an actual fast. But people are like I can't, I can't not eat for 24 hours, so I make it as simple as I can. You know, you can eat as many grapes as you want. That that's absolutely fascinating too, because uh, as an alchemist, anyways. They say that the uh, the when you're trying to get alcohol to do extractions with, um, you do that from grape wine, uh, preferably making your own grape wine, and that's going to have the highest amount of sulfur and maintain the highest maintain the highest purity um, out of anything. So that's very interesting. 
Hmm. Well, I remember interviewing this this man, Dr. Henry Morse. He was very well known. He's retired now, but his website is still up. And he's well known for helping people um, get rid of cancers and really serious things. And so when he was on my show, he's just talking about all these amazing stories and a very fascinating guy talked about like living off fruits in the forest and like communicating with these beings, you know, just way out there, but amazing guy. And I was like, okay, somebody comes in and they're just about to die. Like any moment they can die. What do you tell them to do? And he goes, 40 days of grapes. That's it. All you, all you eat is grapes. And he was really high on the, uh, I guess the alkalinity of the grapes, but that was his recommendation, you know, organic grapes. That's the only thing. And he said, I've seen uh, tumors heal and all these different things. And so, you know, I don't know much, but I, you know, it was, uh, people really respected him and that was his recommendation. So I always thought that that was interesting. That's it is very interesting. And especially, like I said, that is, this is a well-known thing among alchemists that specifically red wine, red grapes is what you use to, to uh, make your, you know, ethyl alcohol. I mean, if you want to get more specific about it, you make the ethyl alcohol from the plant and then use that ethyl, ethyl to derive from other plants to pull more oil from other plants of the same type. But it, if you're just trying to use an in general ethyl alcohol, it's always should be out of red grapes. So that's a very, very interesting connection right there. Hmm. Now, I, I noticed that you uh, speak to a lot of indigenous uh, folks. Um, out of all those different groups, which ones do you think uh, uh, has the spirituality that you align with the most and why? That's a, well, that's a great question. You know, I had the opportunity to study with um, a Mi'kmaq elder, David Lombard Senapas, and, and traveled around and studied it with him pretty intensely for two, three years. And a Mayan elder, Carlos Barrios, who has unfortunately passed. And, uh, and recently, uh, Clifford Mahudi, who's a Zuni elder, has recently passed. And so, you know, when I was having them on my show, I was just curious about their history. You know, I've always been fascinated with the indigenous cultures. And so I was just curious about their history, their teachings and things like that. And I learned a lot by studying with all three. And it was interesting because I would talk to them independently. And so what I learned was independently, they all had a 20,000 year oral history. You know, they all talked about star beings and sky people, which is fascinating. And they always said creator rather than God. They didn't say, you know, God was some sort of, you know, they, you said they could use it, but they always use the word creator. And what was really fascinating is, you know, they would have, tell me some of the craziest stories about sky people or things like that. But then they would dismiss a lot of this, like the new agey stuff that was out. So they're really practical. Um, but also had really wild stories from their history. But also, they didn't, a lot of them got flack for sharing. So Clifford Mahudi got a lot of flack for sharing to the non-natives because of the the history that we had. Same with David Lombear. They, they got a lot of flack for sharing. So as far as their spirituality, I'd say the main thing that they taught me was just to be grounded. You know what I mean? Like David Lombear always talked about doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. You know, what I mean? being present, uh, you know, all your relations, understanding that you're in an ecosystem. You're not above it. You're a part of it. How do you synergize with it? So just their outlook on life was their spirituality. And one of the things was, you know, like your life purpose. So many Westerners want to know what their life purpose is. And theirs was, you know, you don't just the fact that you're alive is enough like creation being here is enough to experience it to be fully alive and we're just so disconnected from a natural state of living um you know those things seem crazy to us like uh 
I went down to a Mayan fire ceremony in Guatemala because I wanted to go to that fire ceremony and they had shut down. It was in Tikal and they shut it down to the indigenous. I think about 10 or 15 years ago, there was an indigenous massacre. They wanted to use that place for their ceremony as they have done for thousands of years or whatever the case is. And they recently, it was just the first year they were allowed to do it again. So I went down there because I wanted to also meet Carlos Barrios in person. And he said some crazy stories about walking up the pyramids one day as a young boy and a portal opens up and the guy disappears. He's like, what the heck is this? You know, but then, but then after we tell you a crazy story, it would always be about this grounded thing about the new spirituality is action. And you know, the Westerners, they really want this quick fix to get this thing, right? Oh, I'll meditate if I become enlightened and then I'm better than everyone or I'd never have a negative thought of my, it's, you know, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not as grounded, you know, it's like, Oh, well, if you got this thing, then it would be how do you, how can you serve your community? So it's all earned, you know what I mean? Everything has its part. And so, um, you know, when we were at the Mayan fire ceremony, it was just really fascinating because, you know, they would do they would do their um, their ceremony. And I learned about that. But Carlos was telling me about this indigenous council summit that he did. And it was in the 1990s. And he got all these indigenous from South America to come and they would all speak. And there was this one guy that everybody kind of revered as like maybe the wisest. And he was just really fun and really hilarious. And he had everybody kind of had a special thing. So he had this special um, jar that he was going to release and just say, this is my special uh, totem or something I'm going to share with you. Right. And he said that he was when he was at his house, he goes to shower and he just runs out of the room and goes, your water's dead. And he runs out and he goes into the lake and he showers there. And I just had this idea of like, how different would it be if you lived in the forest with no electricity, with nothing at all? And then going into a city, like what would you hear? What would you see? What would you perceive? If we only get such a little bit of the sound spectrum, such a little tiny bit of the light spectrum, what's in this reality? And they would talk about uh, little people. They, they just called them the little people. Uh, David Lonebear would talk about that. Uh, and they would just appear, right? David Lonebear said he saw one when he was hunting once. He was still for like, you know, he said I was still for like eight hours hunting a moose. And he's like, I saw one. Um, but I, d I don't see them as making this up, right? It's very real, but it's also sacred. They don't like to tell you these things. And so anyway, I just thought that was a fascinating thing. But finally, at the end of the thing, he's going around with the sacred object he has the whole time. And everyone's all excited about it. And he opens it up and it's just nothing. And he's just like, you're the gift. You know, stop looking for a sacred thing. You're the yes. gift. It's your life. You know what I mean? And he just, he just up and he's just going for it. And, and you know, it's a, again, stuff like that. It's su such a simple teaching where it almost feels like a cop out, but it's not. It's like, it's got, you got, it's got to land in your head. Right. And, and I had this big wake up maybe like six months ago or a year ago where I, I was, I, I often try to help too many different people in too many projects. Right. So I get excited about someone, what they're doing. And I put a lot of my effort in there and some of my own stuff kind of falls to the wayside. And as I've kind of run this pattern over and over, I kind of got back to that same teaching. You're the gift, you know, what you are going to put out there, what, how you're going to do it. You people have got their own thing. Everybody's unique in this environment. If you go into the forest, if a beaver is pretending to be a mountain goat, he's going to be a terrible mountain goat, right? Or, you know, if a fish is trying to be a frog, it's not going to work out too well. But as we understand who we are, we have our unique gift. It synergizes with nature. And so it's just their philosophy of, of how they think and how they interact with, with everything. Nothing is separate. It's not that this house and this wall separates me from you. We're all part of one community, the roof, 
everything is alive, including the rocks. And you would know this better than me, rocks and soil and just everything. And that perspective of living and being alive is so much more powerful. It's so much more inclusive in a real way, not, you know, the, the way that they're marketing it now. And um, it's, it's, uh, it gives more meaning to be alive. It's more special, right? Everything is special. You know, you're no better than, and it's just, it's a more fulfilling point of view, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. That is fantastic. Did you, uh, when you were speaking to the Mayan teacher, did you happen to uh, uh, get to speak to him about the Mayan calendar at all and gain an understanding of whether that's just a point in a cycle is what I would assume? Um, yeah, so so I would, um, I'm definitely no expert. Go back, if you go on my podcast and look up Carlos Barrios, he wrote a book on it and I interviewed him a couple of times on that subject. And we had a dinner when I was when I was down there, recorded a dinner. And so he speaks about those different ideas. As I remember and understand it, and I also was friends with his daughter, she told me that like it, it, the, the dates are a bit off, right? And uh, so it's not exactly 2021, but it's in this realm of a shift, right? It's not like 2021 and everything goes to crap. It's when this cycle changes and it, we're mm -hmm. moving into a newer cycle. There's a few different perspectives on it, but the one from Carlos, as I can recall, was like, look, this is the opportunity where we either make it or we don't, where this civilization is able to uh, get along with each other and nature and everything and move her to a higher, more cooperative cycle, just like in cymatics, which is a visual rep representation of sound for people who don't know. And you look it up and it goes from like the frequencies, you know, zero to 140 something is 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 all static but then at one i don't know what the first one is 147 or or whatever the hertz are it creates a beautiful pattern then it's all static and then you get to the next one which might be 396 or then it's four and then it's all a beautiful pattern and then 432 creates a beautiful pattern again and so this is like the static moment where everything is discombobulated everything is uncertain everything is shifting and with that shift can we reorganize you know, as a system, including everything, you know, uh, mankind, uh, animal kind, the four-legged, you know, the birds, everything can reorient it at a higher, um, what's the word, like uh, higher level of organization, you know, a more mm -hmm. complex but intricate pattern of existence. And I feel like that's how I understood what he was telling me. Or we just exploded. <laughs> or we fail, huh? Yeah, or we fail, try again. I don't know. Run simulation again. I'm not sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and again, then it would just be another alteration or a shift in the cycle, a movement point, something of that nature, not ever an end of the world type thing. Um, and then it's very interesting, like this year, we're in this whole master builder year, and it really definitely feels like it has that type of a nature to it where we're moving on to something else and if you if you whatever you're getting ready to want you need to plant the seeds for that uh so that way when it comes time for it to come to fruition when this thing that gets done falling apart that is going to fall apart uh you have something else that's already there to take its place something that's more like you said more in tune with nature more aligned um that's absolutely beautiful. Uh, is it just out of uh, that's very interesting? It seems like you uh, 
was it by choice that you picked? It seems like a lot of uh, Southern uh, North American tribes. Um, have you tried, have you talked to like any of the other indigenous tribes like uh, further north, like uh, the Lakota and the Dakota, um, anybody like that? Yeah, I've got one friend who I'm fairly confident is Lakota. Um, and she's out, you know, above California. Is that Lakota, I think, area? And so there's a documentary coming out, and uh, I'm interviewing a few people that are, you know, the natives in there. And, you know, it's a fascinating thing because they have they have their own stories. They have distinctions. But part of the issue is that with the school system, it's all gotten distorted. And a lot of the language is leaving, and a lot of these traditional teachings are leaving. And, and, and they were all oral teachings, and now we know – from our government systems, how easy it is to manipulate the knowledge. And so there's a lot of similarities, but not everybody agrees on everything. Right. So I've heard some, some prophecies that are, that are terrible. Like, well, one of them that's terrible is I know um, one, one indigenous group that, uh, you know, that I'm connected to, he was telling me that they said there's going to come a time where the white man basically almost becomes like zombies and they begin, there's a great famine and things like that. If they don't get to a point where they can cooperate. And so they're moving higher up in the mountains. So that one's terrifying. But there's other ones that talk about uh, every, you know, they're coming a point like a catalyst where all cultures where uh, they have red, yellow, black, and white, I believe on the, on the native American um, mm -hmm. the flag. And they say, oh, everybody comes together and we, we solve this. And that's the turning point. That's the kind of their version of the great awakening. And so some of them believe that this is happening, but it seems universal that they say it's our choice it's not outside of us it's we have to decide as a people who we're going to be and it's not just one person that's going to pick it it has to be a collective decision by everybody and so that's kind of the scary thing as i look at things it's like some people are making some wild choices and so what what's that going to mean so you know their culture is so deep so fascinating and even with the you know two three years with david lone bear listen to the stories with uh, carlos barrios it's the tip of a tip you know i know a tiny tiny fragment of you know that deep and rich history and even their language they would have uh, a word for every different type of tree every different type of snowflake it's just very vast uh, brian francis who's a uh, you know really brilliant uh, he's a documentary filmmaker and and, and uh, just an amazing human. Uh, he was basically telling me that um, when when the French came over, they had a great relationship with them. And so then it wasn't until the British came, they thought that the fr French had conquered the Native Americans. So then they realized they didn't have to fight. It was like, wait, you haven't conquered them yet? Oh, so we're just going to conquer you. And then they're going to be a part of it because you haven't conquered. They had a good relationship with the French, but they could speak um, – English, French, uh, and Spanish, and I think uh, maybe one or two other languages. And so they were communicating with a lot of the people coming to shore and, and you know, having great relations until everything kind of went sideways. Mm, fantastic. So it's a, and then it goes into like, yeah, even David Lombard was talking about like Ark of the Covenant stuff. And uh, what's that island? There's that mysterious island off Nova Scotia. So there's a lot of mystery with this island and, and indigenous cultures like Templar stuff. And he showed me some of it. We were we were on a road trip, and I was able to see some of the stuff. So there's there's a, a very rich and mysterious hi, uh, history. And I, the last people they probably want to tell us uh, all that stuff is to is us. And they had like uh, guardians and all kinds of really mystical, really wild stuff. And I don't know if it's like mythos or actual people, but some of the training that I saw 
him do, he and what he described some of the other people do was really out of this world. It's like Navy SEAL training times 10, but indigenous version. And who knows? Like, who, who, what kind of people could you produce fully connected to nature with uh, specific training programs? You know what I mean? Like when Wim Hof came up and he's sitting in ice, no, that didn't make any sense. Now, all of a sudden, tons of people are able to sit in ice super casually. Right, I've done that training, and I do not like it. I don't sit in it that casually. I did it because I <laughs> wanted to know I could do it. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, this is not a casual experience. This is very challenging. You know, it's, a, it's like a choice. I'm going to do this. <laughs> so you, you know, the realms of capability and the spiritual connection are. Um, who was I talking to? Uh, Tamarack Song, who was on my podcast. He might be great for yours because he's really connected and he's a survival survivalist old man uh, worked with the indigenous and he talked about uh, nature speak right he lived with wolves and how he connected with um one of his native american teachers without words and he didn't know what it was and he told him afterwards nature speak and so he taught him how to go out into nature every time he had a question about life about the native american culture or something like that he'd say go ask the deers you know go ask the plant go ask the trees and so what a different way to find answers about life and about yourself and about integrating into the world a totally different perspective what do we get uh go ask you know teacher doug who may or may not know shit about anything you know <laughs> most likely probably doesn't exactly. know anything you know so uh just a much different frame and you compound that over time what kind of abilities would develop you know i don't know absolutely yeah they t they talk about uh a lot of different cultures talk about when uh we first started you dealing with different plants and learning about different plant medicines that it was the plants that said what they were for it is talking to the plants and that's where that came from so absolutely beautiful and and a hundred percent when you go into the city you're so horribly overwhelmed with sensory overload um i have a real hard time with it a lot of times anymore when i go into the city it's uh it's horribly exhausting for me um just because the number of things that I'm having to uh, that are occupying my attention are so much more. And, you know, uh, where they say like the earth, what is it? The earth uh, vibrates at like eight hertz or something or 11 now or some such thing. Well, you go into this super high vibration. It's like trying to hear somebody whisper when you're in a concert and you got to get yourself out of the concert go try having the conversation somewhere where it's not like that. And uh, I can't possibly imagine living in a city area like that. And uh, I, I, I understand why the uh, sensory deprivation uh, tanks have become so highly popular. Because um, I, I could totally understand that. Because even like with these puppies here, um, they're so much more than what we're used to. It's, it, it's, uh, it's a lot. Um, or last year, uh, last year, my grandsons came and stayed with us for a while and we forget, you know, you got them, uh, toddlers running around and they're all about sensation all day, you know, and you're like, hold on, hold on. I, I just need to not be all excited for a minute. Chill out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're they're a hundred all the time. Eh? It's just like top notch. And my daughter takes so much energy. It's just like everything's got to be so enthusiastic. But it's also beautiful in that sense. You get to see everything new. You know, it's like oh yeah, 
you know, but it, man, they take a lot of energy. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it is. Like you said, it's wonderful and it's enlivening for somebody that isn't used to that in a short burst, but we had them for like three months. And I tell you what, after like five months, oh, my wife says five, um, I, I'm horrible at time. Uh, yeah. After a given duration of that much, it's just like, Oh God, I just lock me in a room. Don't talk. <laughs> yeah, they got to be yours. They have to be your kids. Otherwise, enduring it is not possible. You can't be boring. You know, everyone else's kids are great. Then you bring them back. You know, I was like, okay, I'm done. This is all I can handle. You, you know, you do this now. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and the other interesting thing about that is, is as a grandparent anyways, you get to have the difference between uh, attached love and unattached love. And you get to really, really get into that. Because you still love your grandkids um, absolutely as much as you loved your children, but it's in a more detached way where you don't have to be attached to the to every little thing that they do and making sure that they're going to uh, act right, do things right, learn the right things. Because a parent should be attached. The outcome of that child's life is they're very responsible for. But as a grandparent, hey, you just want them to be happy and have a good time and you get to just experience it without having to be attached to the result. And it, it, it's, it's a very different experience and a lot, and a lot more wonderful. And yeah, during that five months, I had to be more of a parent and that took a lot of that joy out of that and, <laughs> and reminded me the difference between the two things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the other beautiful things I think we're losing as a culture, right? Is the family unit. If you look at the communist manifesto and lot of things that are going on right now they want to destroy the family unit right it's it's uh you know to live a simple life with a good family in a simple way is is not uh glorious it's not tv and flash and all those different things that they're conditioning people to think is cool and it's the way to go and what happens is you end up losing your soul because what is the point of life what's the meaning of it um you know the couple of podcasts ago with tamarack he was talking about when the indigenous people got um uh refrigerators for the first time they're like what do you even use this for because if they had abundance they gave it to their community so to be so well connected and, and so connected to your neighbors in that in that kind of ecosystem would be fulfilling of itself and and you know it's like we're supposed to be more connected ever online and all these different things but all it's making people feel is isolated and disconnected and not enough because everything is virtual and fake and you know, being a kid was hard enough in my era, then alone for these kids. So that's why we see suicide and all these things go up because that family level support isn't there. You know, both fam, both parents are out working most of the time. You got the government or a stranger raising your kids. You got a little bit of, you know, family time, but you don't have that community aspect either. So to, you know, bring that back, to bring that simplicity back, I think is going to be the task of our generation and to, you know, go through these times with uh, as much uh, grace and presence and truth and power as possible. And then it's like, okay, look, we tried this thing, but we need to get back to some grassroots here because it's not, you know, it's not as exciting as you think, you know what I mean? We need to, to handle these basics and then we can grow from there. No, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, Kaczynski was horribly accurate with what he said uh, was going to end up, technology was going to end up doing to us. Uh, it was just it's disturbingly how how accurate his manifesto is on that <laughs> you know who i'm talking about uh, uh, not exactly uh the, the the infamous unabomber oh geez 
<laughs> I yeah, was thinking about yeah, something else. Yeah, no, he's the infamous Unabomber. He uh, he wrote his he wrote this whole manifesto, and you know you hear about the stories that you heard on the news, but then you read his manifesto, and it's like, oh, you were a prophet. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it, it's disturbing. Uh, the, and and you know, and this is a guy that went and lived out in a cabin in the woods, and it really appears like you know, outside of him being. Uh, you know, blamed with doing mailing some bombs and things. Uh, this is uh, starting to people are starting to have this understanding and starting to understand that this simplicity, not needing uh, the 1980s uh, uh, style of uh, you know just excess in everything that that has no life to it whatsoever there's no enjoyment to it uh at best you end up tying yourself to the hamster wheel to where you can't even get off it to enjoy those things of excess that you purchased yeah 100 it's it's, it reminds me of the stoicism where like they talk about a live time and dead time and you know dead time being kind of like passive watching a tv you know vegging out uh doing work you're not passionate about right just getting by and um you know you're gonna you're basically getting your soul sucked out of you uh slowly right little by little because you're you're going for this paycheck and we need to you know be responsible with our with what we need to take care of and our finances and all that kind of stuff however it's it's your aim right you can you can aim in a, in a direction that's more inspiring and you'll shift that over time everybody's got to figure it out it's not an easy path but it's you know everyone that's kind of gone just for the material first they usually end up being completely unfulfilled because there's no inner guidance there it's just well this is easier i can make more money this way i can get those things but then what right what's the purpose of it absolutely and and one of the things that i appreciate about like the the japanese where they uh are with the zen where they talk about even make making something as simple as a cup of tea to be present with that while you're doing it the actual making of it and uh, then hold that presence through the entire uh, enjoying of it and taking it in and making that all one experience rather than trying to uh, rush through it and separating from the experience. Um, and, and I find that very beautiful. Uh, one of the uh, best meditations I have is when I'm milking the cows. Um, and milking the cow, I mean, the it's an expression even for people who take a long time to do something because milking the cow is not a quick thing. Uh, and I don't have a machine milker. I, I, I hand milk my cows. And when I lean my head in and push my forehead up against the cow and we get into it, I can tell what she's thinking and feeling and we move together. And if she's going to kick the bucket because flies are getting at her or something, I know it's going to happen before it ever happens. Uh, and I, the bucket's clean gone. Um, there's this wonderful flow that you get into when you're doing that. If you bother to stop and take the time to do it and get into that flow rather than running in there and either trying to rip the milk out of the cow and just get running or uh, throwing a machine on there and walking away and coming back in 15 minutes, you actually are present in what you're doing. There's so much more to it. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Well, it reminds me of the uh 
I think it's, yeah, Jesus and the Essenes. And it says there's four ways to know God. Or I don't know if it's three or four. I always remember three. But the first one was studying. You read a lot of stuff. You, you, you know, read religious texts and spiritual texts. And, you know, you kind of find your way that way. One is a spiritual mentor that's actually done the path. You've got a proper guide. And one of them is nature you know, immersing yourself in nature. And I saw that in, in real, real life where I lived in Whistler and I had one friend who, you know, you wouldn't peg him as like conscious, you know what I mean? Or spiritual in any capacity, just from his jokes and his nature and things like that, just kind of, you know, how he was not, not knocking him, just, you wouldn't call him a spiritual guy. It's not what you would peg him as. I, I travel, I come back, you know, a few years later and we're having this chatter on the fire and we're talking about all kinds of deep stuff and I, I, there's only a couple of pe- my friends I've ever been able to go deep on anything past, you know, a leaf game or some sort of sports thing or some sort of nonsense for more than two minutes. But we're like four hours deep into this stuff. And I was like, yo, bro, like, how do you know all this stuff? Like, how did you come across this? And he's like, dude, all I do is I take my snowmobile out into nature every day. And it was like, you know, the fact he, this guy was in nature every mother effing day and you could sense the wisdom and the clarity. And it's, it's amazing to see people be able to come to it in their own way. You know, there's a million paths the way home, but nature is one of those main things. And that's what's happening is this whole thing is a fight against nature, our natural way of being the way we're living is unnatural. That's why we're in angst. We're in depression. We're in anxiety. We're in confusion. Nothing about how we live is natural, but they're selling. It's like, oh, this is better. Well, our comfort is killing us, right? We go get our packaged meats and, and all our food and all these. We don't even know how to, you know, people are talking about a food shortage. All we have is abundance here, but we don't know how to hunt. We don't know how to grow. We don't know how to do these basic things, you know, as the apex species endowed with, you know, a piece of the creator within us. How come we're not able to um, revisit the basics? So we need to get back to those basics and then from then expand. But, you know, we all kind of know the jig is up ideally. And this is going to be our opportunity uh, as this generation to say those who made the choice not to partake in, you know, the needles, whatever they may be, as bad as they may be. Hopefully they're not as bad, but it's still going to be a requirement for this system to shift. And like you said, build something different where people can engage in that model you can show them the way and then people start to say you know what this makes a bit more sense and let other people do as they wish but it's going to be our responsibility to show a way for people who don't want to participate in that because it is sick and twisted and luciferian as it's at its core and if you know what's going on with the school system because you know my wife and partner she's in the school system the shit that they are saying and promoting is unbelievable. And if you say anything uh, beyond this, right, they're, they're, they're creating these books. It just came out on Twitter that uh, is this like children's book about uh, basically taking hormone blockers in grade four and how, and then they make it sound like it's a simple and easy process. For, and this is a kindergarten to grade six book. Right. And so, you know, a teacher spoke up about this saying, you know, this is a major life decision. You know, this book is, you know, making it seem like it's super easy and it's going to solve all their problems as a child. Uh, and and then they said they basically kicked her out of the meeting and said, you're uh, whatever they say. Right. They just slander you as a racist, white supremacist or whatever. And so this is in our school system now and people have no idea. So the way that I've kind of seen this is, you know it is kind of a religious point of view in the sense from the Bible. It's like God created, uh, you know, man and woman, right? And this is from the law summit and God gave dominion for, to land, air and water to man, for man and woman. And so 
if we were created by a creator and we have a piece of that creator within us and we are spiritual beings and it says in the Bible and many other texts, you know, don't fear evil, right? It doesn't have to be the Bible. It's many of these, the Bhagavad Gita, you know, all these other things. There's, there's threads in all of them that says the same thing. You do not need to fear evil if you have the creator within you. If you don't know if you're a man or a woman, and this is with hypnosis, um, you just need to confuse them or with war, confuse your opponent. The second they're confused and they have to go back in their mind, Right to think so, like in in I invite people who are listening to this to look up the work of Darren Brown. His stuff is super fascinating. Look him up on YouTube. You'll see him hypnotizing people. Uh, pay heels. You see him uh, paying with paper. He buys a diamond ring in New York with paper. He goes around buying all these different things with paper. He does. He's not always successful. He buys a bunch of things with paper, right? Then he goes to get a hot dog, and the guy's like, "Get out of here! Like, what are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, no, I'll take it." He tries again. He's like, "What are you doing, man?" And he's like, "I'm going to get you." So the the guy who's selling the hot dog was more aware. Right. You know, he was like, it doesn't work with everybody, but it shows you how the mind can be tricked. And it starts with confusion, a pattern interrupt. You have to get their brain to go backwards for a second to solve things. So at the very fundamental level, if you don't know if you're a man or a woman, then how are you going to know that you were created by something? right, by a God or a creator, and you don't have to believe this, but it seems like a very empowering frame for me to live through, and that creator is within, within me, protecting me, guiding me, supporting me as a part of all the life of all the creation, and I'm equally important to everything else, including everything else, including people who oppose any point of view that I have. They're here too. They're equally special. If they don't know that, how are they going to find that realm? Because they're like, do I have a hand or not a hand? How is this even a topic? That's how crazy it is where I talk, you know, in the beginning of my podcast for a long time, just because the law summit, they taught me human was hue of a man. So I used to say, you know, um, you know, look at Black's Law Dictionary. So they say, just say man or woman or mankind. So I said that and I realized in my mind, some people would take offense to this. You know, what wild world are we living in? And so we need to be very careful about what our kids are being um, educated or indoctrinated in. And as the people who are, a little bit further down the line, we can be optimistic knowing that if we see what's going on, we're going to be supported. We're going to uh, be able to get through this and we're going to be the architects of something new. And it's not going to be flashy and new agey and, and spaceships, although I really would like it to be. It's going to be simple, community-based, fulfilling, uh, loving, and all these things, and challenging, but it's going to be worth it. You know, we're all going to, we're all going to figure it out and we're all going to succeed. And it's going to be beautiful because we're, we're going to do it together and we're going to be around like-minded people, like spirited, you know, that want the best for each other, the best for our children, the best for humanity. And we're going to be willing to put the work in to experience that, not just be uh, passers-by looking for handouts to, for people to take care of. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And that is part of the problem is, is that we hand inconvenience handed off Actually, it really, I don't know about uh, Canada, but in America, there was a lot of fight when they first tried to implement uh, state schools and tried to bring over the Rockefeller school system. And actually, uh, if you look into it, there's a number of uh, uh, statistics that say we were a 95% literate as a people in America before they implemented the school system, which then brought that down substantially. Uh but the school system, through the convenience of it at this point, uh, your kids are now being programmed by people. And they are very aware that uh, during those years where they're so susceptible to things, those are the ones to get those ideas in. And those ideas are going to be stuck in their head through their whole lives. And we've given that responsibility over 
And most parents at this point don't even go in, look at the curriculum unless the kid asks a question, uh, you know, that their parents may or may not be able to answer. And they've changed the curriculum to the point where parents aren't going to answer because like, what parent knows how to do uh, that weird way that they teach kids how to do math now? I don't know how to do that nonsense. So I can't even answer the questions to my grandkids that are trying to do that new way of math that they're doing. it. Um, so it just, again, like you stated, breaks that family connection down where there's any dependence on the family whatsoever and turns it all entirely into a state dependence. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's a big topic there, too, because it reminds me of this quote, uh, give me a child until he's seven, I'll show you the man. And I think that was Aristotle. I just looked it up as you're chatting. I always think about that. And when I studied hypnosis and propaganda and, and manipulation and everything that I looked at said, the younger, the more important, you know, the younger they are, the more important it is in to install these beliefs, because anything you install at a young age is much harder to fix or correct or um, add a new perspective as they get older. And now with these school systems, what you're talking about the math there, uh, it seems like they're actively making us dumber. And in one of the episodes with Clifford Mahuti, now he, he was a civil and environmental engineer. And he said, when I finished, he said, when he finished his graduation, they had changed the math. And then these new graduates were coming out and he was looking at it. He's like, they didn't, they weren't nearly at the same level as his graduating class, they had started to dumb it down. And you look at, you know, the idea of Tartaria or these old buildings or these infrastructures, you know, now we get these Madame homes in Canada or these cardboard pieces of crap. So it does look like they're specifically making us dumber, right? But at the same time, conditioning people to think that they're superior in these different ways. So they have this virtue of this illusion of intelligence, right? Rather than actual functional intelligence. And now that I I'm at this point, I'm like, wow, like I really wish I knew how to grow a plant. I really wish I knew I had, you know, basic engineering skills. And if I could go back, I might switch it. But, you know, my, my path led me where it did. But we need these basic functional skills as a community, as a society. And none of them were really celebrated or promoted. And now we need to come back to that because if we're not paying attention to what our kids are getting, we're going to be totally lost. And that's why this time is a great opportunity for everyone. You know, all, all they're doing is creating the opportunity, the fire and the will to respond and figure out where you fit in this equation. Because if you are here and you were aware, you were put here and you were one of the people chosen by yourself or the creator, whatever, to respond to this because you have the capability to do it. And not everybody is seeing this. So the fact that you can even see what's going on, um, remove fear and just understand that, okay, you know, I tell yourself you're of service to creation, God, the creator, whatever feels right to you, um, and begin to move small steps each day. You're not going to fix the whole thing, right? If I could push the button and fix it all, I would. And so would you and many other people. The idea is to want to cooperate with those who are doing it. And that way you're going to be led and we're going to do it as a community and it's going to be friggin' beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Well, it looks like we're coming up to about the end of our YouTube time. Um, we're going to switch over to the Rockfin side where we can get down and dirty. Uh, would you please go ahead and tell any of the listeners where they can find you and any of the projects that you going on got going on that you want anybody to know about and check out? Sure. Yeah. Well, if you want to find me, go to mattbelair.com. I've got over 530 episodes of an awesome podcast that's getting censored heavily. So check that out over there. Go to my main website. You can find me on Telegram as well. That's where I post most stuff. 
And the most things that I do, you know, I have a soul compass program that helps people get clear on who they are. A lot of people, you know, they don't know who they are, what they want to do. Just go through the soul compass program. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. It's at the website. Once you go through those um, series, you're going to be a lot more clear on what's most important because people just don't ask themselves basic questions. Go. It's not, it's not complicated. I just say it's like working out and exercising. If you're massively overweight, it's not that complicated. It's just like going through the process and continuing the process. So there's some stuff over there to help you. And, you know, I wrote Zen athlete, which is more peak performance focused, but anything that's, you know, regarding life purpose and creating that, that's a lot of the programs and podcasts. So if you want to check that out, just go to the website. Absolutely. Well, I sure hope they do. And it's been an absolute pleasure. I, uh, I apologize that this was a week late. Um, <laughs> actually, my forays into nature, uh, I had uh, used some DMSO cream. Uh, some it, Christy and I were mixing it into our comfort cream uh, to see how that works. And I mean, it makes it so that cream goes into your body now. It, it's amazingly fast how much how much more effective and quick that is. But then my dumb ass was like, I feel good, and ran out into the forest, started clearing forest, and got poison oak, and that DMSO also helps that get in real nice. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't even see for like half a day. My eyes were all swollen up right here. Just, oh, it was bad. <laughs> I'm glad you recovered, man. No, no sweat on the weight. You betcha. You betcha. But uh, that's going to do it for uh, YouTube. Uh, everybody, please come on over and join us on the Rock, uh, Rockfin side. Uh, Rockfin is free to come over and watch the whole show. If you want to make some comments, uh, I'm there to talk. Hopefully, Matt, you're obviously invited. Matt has a Rockfin um, and also has a Rockfin uh, channel that everybody should go check out. Um, and we're there live to chat. But uh, you have to make an account if you want to chat, um, which does not cost the $9 a month. The $9 a month is only if you want to hear puppies that are having like a royal rumble over there while I'm trying to do this. <laughs> um, no, the $9.99 a month is only if you want to get the premium content uh, that uh, a lot of the creators make. And there's some amazing, amazing creators or Jimmy Dore, Sam Tripoli, um, Whitney Webbs does some of the most amazing research, uh, Jace, uh, Burmis, uh, all kinds of people over there. It's a fantastic platform. Um, the big deal is that it's completely free speech. They don't censor us at all. So it's free without the censorship even. So uh, come on over and join us where we're going to get a little deeper into this. Thanks, everybody.